0: And welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring, or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work, and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health, and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health, and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am, however, interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being, and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer Or you have been at it for decades. Whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. Today, I'm talking to my friend Sally Hart. In series one, the majority of dog grooming guests said that their human customers were what they found most frustrating about the job. So, today, Sally and I will be discussing a few difficult situations that the customers can present in the salon. And Sally's going to give us her advice on how to tackle them. We talk about no-shows, people turning up late, people turning up early, and what to say when they want to stay and watch. Sally has been grooming over 20 years, both in South Africa and in the UK. She has her City and Guild Level 3 and is working her way through her hires. She is a member of the English Groomers Group and she gives demonstrations and seminars around the UK. So, let's jump straight in. Here we go. Hi Sally, how
1: are you today? Hi Carla, I'm good today, thank you, and um, yeah, very pleased to have been invited, thank you.
0: Oh, it's lovely to have you. It's always nice to have a chat. So, can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and a bit about your salon setup?
1: Yeah, I can do. Um, I'm Sally Hart. You asked about when I started grooming. Yeah, where did you really start? So, my, so my first ever attempt. I was probably about twelve or thirteen. Oh, primary. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, yeah, it was a pair of kitchen scissors in the garden um, with a pet dog. <laughs> So, you really um, wanted to do it from young then? Or I have that... no idea what possessed me at the time. I can't remember that far back, but uh, my mum was slightly horrified. And oh dear. She You to take the dog out anyway for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> it was not pretty, I can assure you. My first interest or my first introduction really to grooming was when I worked in the kennels in South Africa and okay. um, it was a breeding and boarding kennels. So, she sent me off to spend a, a couple of days with a miniature poodle breeder. Hopefully. So I spent a few days prepping. She had about 18 miniature poodles running around. Wow. And I spent a couple of days prepping dogs for her. So after the kennels, I managed to get a job in a salon. So went to spent some time in the salon. Really loved it. So I went off and um, signed up for a call
0: what better way to start than with 18 miniature so that's a lot of bathing
1: and prepping I think I think it was thrown in at the deep end and it was kind of you're either gonna love it or hate it aren't you I <laughs> mean we're talking back in sort of 1993 four, I think we there was no such thing as glasses. it was I was actually standing out in the sun with a grooming table and a stand dryer and and there I was and then thank you god they were miniatures and not standards
0: (laughs) yeah that's one thing you want to be thankful for and you started over in South Africa were there many differences grooming over there to here and what sorts of breeds do you get over there
1: yeah so grooming in South Africa is very very different I think I was like green when I first arrived over here having groomed there um and to be fair I mean we're talking years ago so I came over here in 2001 okay Uh, so we are talking sort of 20 years ago uh yeah it was quite quite a while it's easier here so you are closer to where all your equipment comes from yeah we can keep up to date a lot faster i looked a few years ago i think they have now moved on but i remember sort of five or six years ago they they were still using the golden a5 the Asta golden a5 cordless were hard to come by Still now, uh, they pay the same price for their cordless clippers as we do here, because import and everything, but they can't charge anywhere near as much as we can charge. It's, it's, a, it's hard. You know, I, I, I know how fortunate I am having started there and come here and yeah. what we have here. That being said, there's always room for improvement wherever we are. Yeah, of um, course. It's quite different. I mean, I was grooming there. We had what we call Maltese poodle. Which was really anything. Okay. <laughs> some of them had straight coats. Some of them had curly coats. Some of them were white. Some of them weren't white.
0: Are they uh, a bit like our, like a bit like our cockapoo? They sort of crop up in all shapes and sizes.
1: Even more, even more diverse. Um, okay. Now I had, I used to groom some that I would say were probably crossed with a laza or a Tibetan, and I had some that were most definitely Pichon. <laughs> um, you know so it could
0: be anything walking through your door really then
1: absolutely anything you know I've got a Maltese poodle but having spoken to people now um they don't get as many Uh, Maltese poodles aren't it's now things like schnauzers schnauzers peaks poms
0: and it's interesting that they have a lot of Pekingese over there because I have never had a Pekingese in my salon it's quite um, it's quite odd isn't it yeah we had we had trained on one when I was at college and um, yep. when I did a bit of work experience they had one at their salon but in the nine years I've had my own salon
1: I've, I've not had one across my door we've been here 17 years and we've had one
0: yeah I remember uh, um, Ringcraft there was one that used to go um, back when I first started showing and really cute little characters a lovely yeah. little little yes. personalities on them more recently, you've been um, running seminars um, based on all sorts of things, um, time management, grooming, preparation tips and like um, dealing with customers. Um, so what made you decide to start doing your seminars and can you tell us a little bit about them?
1: So I started in mean, my first public speaking, really. In a way that got me used to. I'm very shy. Well, I used to be put it that way. <laughs> perhaps how I've grown Not up. Not once from. we
0: get chatting.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, but I used to hate um, the thought of standing up and people actually looking at me while I was talking. Used to terrify me. Yeah, and that's understandable. but there was the huge. There is the stall, this huge divide between groomers and owners, and owners understanding what it is and why we groom dogs. You mm. know, it, it's just about making them look pretty. So I spoke to someone who I knew who runs a dog training club. And I said, would it be beneficial for them um, if I pop down once on every of their training courses and come and speak to the puppy owners? Yeah. And I'd, I mean, I've been doing that now for years and I go down on each, each course they have um, and talk to them. And it, it taught me to speak to people and it was there were smaller groups, but I, I learned to stand up and, and have a bit more confidence in telling people and, and I, I think that's a really that's nice
0: idea actually getting people to go and speak to the new new puppy owners at these sorts of clubs because it just gives them the heads up right at the beginning
1: yeah. and um, the benefit now is that because we closed our books I'm not there to encourage them to come to us no so that's one of the first things I say is I say you know I say unfortunately if anybody is looking for a groomer don't come to us because we can't take you on but I am here to answer your questions and to advise you and I will say that for most of your breeds you will need to be looking at going to groomer somewhere between two and six weekly yeah so they know before they go to a groomer and hopefully hopefully that is kind of preparing at least some people with the idea that you know you have to have them down quite often
0: (laughs) yeah and I think even actually for, for groomers like yourself who where your books are full like it's it's good that you can reassure them that you're not there to obviously sell your business but if you are a new groomer and you do need more business then what you know what better way of promoting your business than going into a local puppy class and explaining things and a good way of introducing yourself so I think actually it does work in both respects and it's just passing that knowledge on and sharing it and avoiding problems down the line for the dogs, which actually makes the groom easier for the groomer as well, doesn't it? It Um, does. You know,
1: I spend all day. I go out down on a Sunday and I spend all day with not only with puppies, but with the trainers. So, you know, you get to pick their brains a little bit as well. I don't charge. um, I don't get paid for doing it. So it's a, it's a, but again, that isn't why I started. Um, There is nothing to stop people saying, well, I'll come down and spend a day, you know, Charge a nominal fee to to the trainers because it's still a service that they are able to add into their course. And
0: now step up to doing actual so, seminars. Yes, yeah, so
1: very honoured and very proud to have been asked to do um, a demo. I did a doodle, I believe, at British Dog Groomers Championships. Yeah, um, and a couple of other comps. I, I then sort of moved over to the seminars. There are a lot of people who do demos, but there are very few people who who actually talk about their experiences running a grooming salon or running the business side of things or just dealing with the customers. You know, we can look it up online, we can ask, but there are a few things that, those are the tricky things we do. We go into grooming most often because we want to spend time with the dogs. Yeah. And very few of us actually come in with a business background and it is very much hit the ground running and learn while you go, which can be very hard. Yeah, and very daunting. Yes, you know, it's it's, it's difficult enough learning all the skills required for grooming so you have to be able to read the dogs work with their behavior you have to be able to trim the dogs you need to know what trim goes on what you then need confirmation <laughs> it, the end the list is endless yeah it just goes and on and on you're down. throwing in now you actually have to be a business person as well you know you actually have to understand all these sides of things and it's it's does play on us. I think it gets us down to quite a degree because it it is so much, um, and then you've got the emotional side coming in too. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was really how I sort of moved over more into into doing that. Don't get me wrong. I love doing the demos yeah. um, and doing the doing the trims and things. But this is something that that very often we don't even prep even prep work. Just going over prep with and tips and tricks because it's often overlooked. So you can go and watch someone trim a beautifully prep poodle or beautifully yeah. prep doodle as often as you like. But if you cannot get, get that, that prep, prep on the dog in the salon, it, it's going to be, it doesn't matter how good a groomer you are, it's still not going to, to come out like that.
0: Yeah, no, I completely understand what you're saying. And I've seen loads of seminars where people have gone in with the dogs all prepped up as they usually are, and they do the, this fabulous groom. Yeah. um but like you say if you if your prepping skills aren't quite up to scratch then you, you know you're starting on the back foot aren't you basically um,
1: funny because he does a lot of the barking and drying and things for me he doesn't do the other foot but he does do the barking and drying um and he always says new oh, I'm just a prepper and I'm going you do know really that if you don't do your job well I can't so actually the whole business is almost hinging on him in a well, way yeah, that's it
0: and I've said the same to um someone in, who prepped for me for a while said that at their previous job they were referred to as the bathing bitch I was yeah. like you are and they said yeah I was referred to as the bathing bitch because I was just the bath though I just did the prep and I said if your prep wasn't to scratch they would never be able to achieve the grooms that they've done so no matter how good their their, their grooms are that they've produced yeah, a good sixty percent of that groom, if not more, is down to the fact that that was prepped right.
1: I know, I know. It's it's underrated. Um, it's underrated, and I think that starts you off thinking that I've got to get through this so that I can I can get onto the grooming, and then I'm you know then I'm a proper groomer. But to be fair, um, you know a lot of a lot of groomers, especially groomers that compete, um, or show their dogs, they want to do their own thing. They Do not rely on someone else for their prep because half of the groom is done before they even pick up a clipper or scissors because you know that, you know, the confirmation of the dog, you you know, everything that's going on before you start.
0: With the difficult customers, I think we have all had times in our life where you just want to pull your hair out. So I've put together three questions that I thought we could just have a little chat about. And so. How do we deal with customers who keep cancelling or wanting to change their appointments?
1: For me, a lot of things actually comes down to individual circumstances. I try and, I try and deal with my dogs like that. So I try, it's not always possible, mm-hmm. to bring that over when, when I'm dealing with the clients as well. <laughs> to, to be fair, I almost have the outlook, well, I'll try and deal with you like you're a dog. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) they wouldn't like to know um but the idea is that you know we we spend so much time trying to get the behavior right on dogs why not try and get the behavior right on on our clients as well I love that idea but yes so if you've got someone that is canceling constantly if it's a regular um and I know there's something going on at home I will be quite understanding and quite lenient you know things happen in life and we can't always we can't Always know they're going to happen so hopefully you can build up enough of a relationship with your clients to at least know that there's something going on at home so when they do phone up and cancel you can go okay when well, I know that they've got an ill child or you know there's something they're going through a rough patch you know mm-hmm. at yeah. home you could be a lot more understanding so therefore moving it around if they cancel or need to reschedule you can be a little bit more it doesn't annoy you quite so much yeah a little bit more sympathetic on the other hand if it's a new client and they book and then they find out well I can't do that can I can I do this and we change it and then they do it again and can they reschedule to be honest though we won't rebook. unfortunately it's starting the relationship on a bad foot and I'm always going to feel like they were trying to be a bit messing around, even if they weren't. So it would mm-hmm. be better for them to go to somebody else who hasn't had that initial experience like that. And they can slot in and move on with a with a better start to the relationship. Um, yeah,
0: I think I've worded that one before as I think you need a groomer who's a bit more flexible than I am. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the line that I generally go with
1: when I'm taking that route. I mean, we, we as I say, we, most of the time our, our books are, if not closed, virtually closed. So we can get to the point where we go, fortunately, we aren't taking new clients. And although you were booked in, you, you are not an existing client on the books yet because you haven't come to us. Mm-hmm. and we have now closed our books so we cannot book you until we open again please give us a call in for the three four five months or whatever you want to do that's a really if good if you would still like to come back or if you haven't found a groomer that you are settled with it's unfortunate but that's just the way it's it's gone I don't feel guilty no oh, we feel so guilty I mean we had one today we closed our books and somebody has phoned up with a puppy and I was like oh well it's only a puppy?" But we have we have recommended some local groomers and we have told them we're not taking but you you have that moment of look, it's a puppy yeah <laughs> and i think i think we all do it so sometimes it, you have to be a little bit sterner with yourself and if it's an existing customer who becomes a bit flaky and because again most of our customers are booked through the year so if it is someone who starts to regularly drop appointments or reschedule them or then when it comes to setting up the next year's um, scheduling, what we normally say is it, was, it seemed to be a little bit of a problem this year um, with the scheduling the way we do it. Would you rather go back onto uh, phoning up and seeing if you can get in when you can? Because we can't afford to keep losing the appointments. Okay. And although we charge, charging isn't, it's not the same because you have lost that space that could go to somebody who would not be flaky. So we then we have before put someone on and actually it worked better. they were happier they still got in when they wanted um dog was still regularly groomed but there wasn't there wasn't this pressure and there wasn't this feeling of well you know you let us down again. It actually improved the client groomer relationship um it you know we we didn't have those problems because they probably weren't feeling pressured yeah having to phone up and and can we forget what they might be feeling like because we feel our annoyance but I know how awful it is, or how awful I feel if I phone and cancel something. Or if I forget to turn up, I feel horrendous.
0: Oh, I hate that. Yeah. That feeling in your stomach. Like, oh, no, I've done it. I've done it. I'm that person that everybody hates. Oh, no. But I
1: would probably still walk in and go, I'm so, I would apologize, but yeah, I'd probably still be smiley. You know, I wouldn't be in tears. So, I would want to at least put on an air. So I have to remember that the people coming in, if they have missed an appointment or are scheduling, i are still going to try and put on an air of being- it's Yeah, kind like of... they're
0: going to have a bit of anxiety about walking in, even if they're putting a face yeah. on. It's just, it's one of them things. Everyone feels awful when you miss something. No, I don't think anyone likes letting people down, do they? No. But,
1: you um, have to mm-hmm. assume they don't, but if somebody does it all the time, but if we allow them to do it, they will. But we have to not allow them in as pleasant a way as possible. You have to go. I completely understand, but unfortunately, from our point of view, um, this, this, and this. It's that. It's that trying to find find the middle road where you yeah. show them that you have empathy with what they're going through. If they don't turn up, we do charge. Uh, we do charge full groom price okay if it's one of our regulars who may well be a bath or may well be a full broom we will charge the bath price because to be honest it may have been a bath that day so we will we we do say to them look we're we're assuming that it was a bath today even if it was probably a clip because that's fair enough we may well have only taken that that amount if it's someone who's never done it before and they're very apologetic and they have just literally you know children are home from on school holidays and their heads brains are fried you know it 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 happens yeah um but if it's someone who uh, but we will normally say look in this instance we're going to waive the fee this time um but there will be a fee regardless next time if on the other hand they're not a at all they get charged (laughs) it's so (laughs) hard isn't it i'm
0: the same as you i have sort of different head for different situations yep. the problem is is that now i don't have space to put them back in so um as of next year i do want to slightly change the hours that i'm working so yep. the flaky ones i'm afraid will be the ones that end up um finding probably another groomer at some point because i feel actually now i'm the longer i've been grooming i don't know about you how many days
1: a week do you tend to work um, at the moment we're working Monday to Friday and then we work some Saturdays but if we work a Saturday we try and have a Thursday off so right, we're probably okay. working five days a week. Five days a week yeah I'm on five
0: days a week I just find that juggling five days a week in the salon my books never get done I think we was talking about this the other week actually I just think that actually if I had an extra day to play with or even an extra half day to play with just to say right Thursday afternoon book day or book a few hours a week or um, if I need to go and get something serviced then I can go and do that if I need to make some orders then I can get them done on that day so it's still sort of working four and a half or five days four to four and a half days a week but I'm hoping to actually block out some time to get the what I call crappy jobs out the way um, because I'm always so busy
1: not just last week but the week before we had um, the week off where we were clearing out it's amazing how much rubbish you store over a few years isn't it and it it had built up so we got a skip and um I say we Darren did it all not me but you know (laughs) I
0: watched
1: You in the instructor was yeah but I was I was sitting doing like you say I took the time to sit and do books and I was doing some of my seminars and doing PowerPoint so I sat which I don't normally do because we don't very often sit during the working day and um by the end of the week I had to go to the chiropractor I was so sore and so stiff yes. because I hadn't been moving as much as I normally do yes um throw in there the odd you know you're sitting down you've got time so you snack on things you shouldn't <laughs> <move>. <laughs> I definitely know that one so by the end of the week I mean I felt awful and you're not supposed to feel awful after having time off from work are
0: you oh oh I have to tell you something while I've got you here I've tried something new um after speaking to Julie um I tried acupuncture last week did Did you you? yeah and I loved it it was brilliant
1: Uh, I'm dying to try that
0: I go Uh, to an osteopath um once a month anyway and I was talking to her and said a friend of mine had had acupuncture and she said oh do you want to try it and I said what now? And she was like, Yeah and I was like, Why not? Let's do it and um you can you can hardly feel it at all you can hardly feel it go in apart from when they get a little knot in your um back there's different types of acupuncture so I don't know what types other people do but this particular type they sort of target the knotted up area and they put it in and there's a little spasm um and it's encouraging the muscle to loosen in that area and it really helped for about three days my neck was like huh It, it was really good so
1: Oh, that's brilliant! Uh, we used to take one of our um, one of the local vets. They've shut down now, but they used to do acupuncture And our old dog. She used to go for acupuncture. Yeah. How, how did it work with a the dog? It did do quite well for her. She it definitely did did help her. Um, she was losing uh, she was losing mobility, so okay. she, it was going to go anyway. But she definitely came back with a little bit more spring in the step after she'd had a session, and it did last. Um, I'd say it lasted probably like you say four or five days yeah i
0: felt exactly like that a little spring in my step as i went out the door so anyway i've diverted from what i was asking you completely getting a bit excited and going off on a tangent. yeah so, so how do we deal with those customers who always either turn up late or are late to collect
1: so yes again um it's about training them and sometimes you have to be a little awkward to be kind mm-hmm. Again, I, I, a lot of these things, if we, we make some of these problems ourselves, so if you've got somebody that turns up five minutes late, that's fine. You can, you can accommodate. But it does help to mention, oh, I see you're, you are five minutes early. That's not a problem. Um, we'll take you in. But okay. You put a seed. You put a seed in there that it is actually being noted that your timing isn't quite spot on. It's not a complaint, and you're not making them feel guilty because otherwise what happens is they come five minutes, next time they come half an hour early. It's fine if you can keep taking dogs in, but it's not good, really. And we had someone that did this and they then started coming an hour and a half early. Oh my goodness. It's too much. The dogs, because we are timed, um, we couldn't get it in any sooner because the dog we had in had only just arrived. so. It, it wasn't suitable so I it got to the point where we did we would say unfortunately we haven't got the kennel space today yeah um, and because our dogs don't run around they can't just say oh we'll just let them wander around and have a mooch about and be like no eight I eight. don't because they've got to be in a kennel we haven't got the kennel space today so you're going to have to come back your appointment time is whatever the time is and tell them to come back they can. you can even let them know where there's nice places to go and walk where there's a dog friendly cafe there's a there's something because this particular one had come and from come from a little way away which is why the first couple of times we would take them in because traffic you know you can understand yeah. for 20 minutes you might be early and i'd rather early than late yeah of course um, but if they come late to drop off uh, we give them half an hour for arrival time but 20 minutes if they call so if they call up and go we're running a little late we'll be there it's now 20 past we will actually say i don't think you'll get here in time because yeah. we need there. We, we've got a half hour cut off um and we will reschedule we'll say unfortunately th- there's not a, no point in you jumping in your car and rushing down here because you're not going to get here in time or we're just going to turn you away so let's just give you another appointment but there will be a fee i remember back in the day when i first started
0: you'd be like oh okay yeah I'll see in 20 minutes and then you're late for that one. You're late for your next one. It rolls on all through the day. More yep. and more people are unhappy. You've got dogs hanging around and it just turns the whole day into an absolute pain
1: and the customer doesn't learn anything, do they? So,
0: they don't. Yeah. They
1: don't learn anything. The only other thing to do is to say, right, well, you can come in, but I can't, I can't do a full group. So you can come in and I can do a, a, bath, a bath and bath and, and that, that's it, but you're still going to have to charge the full price because it's not fair on you otherwise and also I think that still leaves them with a little bit like oh well that's okay i you know if I come late I can drop a few things but that doesn't really work because you will be losing out you know if you offer in spa treatments and they go well I'm a bit late today so don't worry about the spa treatments you've lost that income yeah of course if we keep keep saying it's okay you can't blame people for thinking it's okay because you, exactly you're almost saying to them well it's fine but then we get to the point where we're annoyed with it and now it's not fine but they don't know because they're not in our heads
0: yeah of course yeah Yeah. it's one of those things where sometimes being honest it's so hard to do because it's just telling someone something that they don't want to hear. But the thing is, yeah. is like you say, from something that you can, oh, okay, that's fine today. That's no problem. By the time they've done it four, five, six times, you're like, ah, again, this customer is always doing this. Last yeah. time it was this. The time before it was that. Rah, 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 in your head. And actually, to them, like you say, it was fine last time. It was fine the time before. So why shouldn't it be fine this time? Yeah. It makes perfect sense when you put it like that, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> it does it's just it's just sometimes trying to and i mean don't get me wrong we we, we all have the people that just rub us up the wrong way and are just uh, just disrespectful you know yeah. it happens wherever we go but for the most part i think most people don't always think about just like we don't think about what might be happening with them they might not be thinking about what's happening with us they don't to them the idea is what we're trying to do is make them feel the only that they are the most important person and at that precise moment they are the most important person to us but that makes them forget slightly that there are other people like you said earlier we are all so busy in our lives that sometimes we don't take the time to think about other, other people. people and especially other people in in a completely different circumstances that we are not used to you know i, I don't imagine what it would be like for i don't know for a dentist for example i have no idea what issues they may have what problems they may have clients
0: doesn't it occur to you for example um the other week i went to get my um went to get my nan's ashes put into a necklace um and i sort of expect to go there with that day with her ashes and i and, thought they were going to do it there and i'd go home with it but yep. i didn't it didn't occur to me that they have to um you know put the ashes into the glass they have to heat the glass up the glass takes however many weeks to cool because you have to cool it slowly otherwise it will be you know not a very strong piece of glass apparently the slower the glass dries the stronger the glass will be and then they have to basically look into the piece of glass that they've got they chop out the sized. um of the pendant that you want And then obviously once it's chopped out It's got to be smoothened off Once it's smoothened off It's then got to be put inside the clasp Where they fold the mm. outer metal around it that, That's that got to take time to heal Then they melt all the glass back down as excess glasses They remove all the ashes back out again So you get any excess ashes back They're A massive process of it And they said actually you're not going to get it For five weeks And they say if you want to see it be made We can book you in to come and watch it the final piece to be done mm-hmm. but even so it's not going to be ready because you know and they have to send it off to get the hallmark put onto the metal and wait for it to be sent back so many bits and bobs and there i thought i'll walk in walk out of my necklace that's just one of them things like you say of different jobs you don't understand what yeah. you, you haven't got a clue have you i mean the idea of taking 40 40 to 45 minutes to dry a dog that hasn't got a decent amount of coat to some people is ridiculous well yeah. How can it take that long? You, you yeah, know, just to come out in the
1: garden. <laughs> you know,
0: a bit, uh, her it's a bit more involved than you think. Um, but yeah. Um, and the other thing that I was actually going to ask you, thinking about it, is um, what do you do when customers want to stay in and watch?
1: Ah, Yes. So we used to, back in the day, um, years ago when we first started, we had a client who had been doing it with a previous groomer. So she was used to staying. And they would come because they were worried about the dogs. And it's difficult in that instance, especially as we were quite new here and new to the area. It was, it was difficult in that instance to say, no, we don't allow that. Um, so we did use to have it in. The problem is that it takes longer. Everything takes longer. And they they as interested as they are in what you do. Most owners would like to help. So mm. they will come over and they will hold the dog, which doesn't help. in the Doesn't of. help at all, does it? No. And we know that, but it's, it's very hard to be polite um, and say, don't touch your dog, just go and sit over there and, you know, let's, let's just forget you're here. You, you, you can't. So the problem is that it is distracting. It's distracting for us and it's distracting for the dogs. What we now say is because we have an overlap of dogs, because Darren is normally washing one dog while I'm trimming up the dog, because mm-hmm. he's helping me uh we i we have always said that it's too disruptive for the dogs in the salon and we do although we have an overlap we don't have lots of dogs in the salon or waiting if i were going to do it it would then have to be a separate appointment where they came and they would have to pay for the time for it so you yeah could, you could if you were prepared to do it you could but make it a, a chargeable you know an extra like an add on basically service. yeah an extra service but it does need to be a premium service then because otherwise it will impact on your your day. Yeah. yeah. And the, the problem is it's it also you need to I mean, we, we have had people. And again, I say in the past before we stopped doing it, um, we would always say if the dogs start to play up, their behavior isn't as good as it could be. We will ask you to leave and you have to agree that we are doing it for the best of your dog
0: well but. yeah of course and I think that the, the thing that I try and explain to customers is that they've got a whole life with you as their boss and then you come to this place and then they have to listen to me while you're there that is very hard to explain to a dog and no matter how much you come over and try and help me you you don't understand the angles that I need to get to, it's going to slow me down, basically. Um, and
1: it's and safety as well, isn't it? If they suddenly move, I mean, we had one and she, she was actually very good. She would come, she would put a chair for her and she would sit and read a book. But the problem is every time they move, you know, you shift in the chair, you shift, weight. the dog's doing this. It's swinging yes. its head round me to have a look to see, oh, is she leaving? Is she going somewhere? So she wasn't really even being invasive. But if I had been trimming around the eyes at that particular moment, it was putting the dog at risk. And this is where I think it it just needs to be politely said to owners. And if they are very concerned, maybe recommend a salon close by, say, look, it it won't work in our salon, but there is X, Y, and Z. You will either do that or you can watch from the outside. So your dog doesn't know you're there necessarily, but you can still observe what's going on. And let them stand on the street and watch.
0: Yeah, it. I mean, I I did used to do it where um, I have a few customers that came in, or if they wanted to come in for the first groom, they wanted yeah. to come in, and I'd say okay for the first one only, but after that, then the answer's no. Um, And there was always one or two that would try and stay in. And that was fine for a while. But you find yourself analysing, I find myself analysing what I'm doing. And I'm I'm competent at my job. I know what I'm doing. But just having someone watch me, it's just like that added pressure. And your brain goes all dead. And you think, oh, what do I need to do here? It's my job. It's not their job. But the fact that they're there watching me do it makes me feel worried to do my job. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think that 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 is an added pressure. And I would rather be at a grooming competition surrounded by people watching the ring at a grooming comp than have one customer who's not a groomer in the room with me. And they do start talking about things. And I am easily distracted. I'm more likely to make a mistake if someone's talking
1: to me because I've got two things to concentrate on. That's what I was going to say. In actual fact, I found it, it wasn't so much. The worry you 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 do handle the dogs slightly differently because you are aware all the time because they aren't somebody who handles dogs so you are aware but I actually found more that my concern was that I was distracted whereas normally all my attention is on the dog yeah. so I am aware when they're about to move which way they you you get to learn the dogs each dog's individual little things if there is somebody there talking to you or even if they're not talking you're you are still Uh, The energy in the room is different. So you you're distracted. Yeah. And it means you may miss things. Um, You know, part of our job, important part of our job is to pick up on things on these dogs. I
0: I personally do also say that my insurance won't cover me if you're yes. in the salon. That's the one that I tend to go to. I, I tend to say, look, you know, I can take little videos here and there throughout the groom. If you want to see how your dog is within the groom, I can take pictures. But I personally don't actually allow customers to come in due to previous experience and the fact that my insurance now currently doesn't cover you being in the salon.
1: I was going to say that's, that is one of the easiest ones and the ones that people for the most part don't argue with because exactly you can't the other one is is to actually openly say to them you're not comfortable you aren't comfortable and if you aren't comfortable their dog is at risk yeah because you need to keep to make sure the experience for their dogs is and if they're there because they're worried about their dog you can't provide that calming environment can you because you're you're stressed and the idea is that that you're not so add that in perhaps saying that you know your insurance doesn't cover it but to be honest if you are going to try and find someone that will do it for you just remember that in actual fact it's not always the easiest or the most comfortable for the groomer and therefore it can have a detrimental effect on on your dog uh, so with your seminars
0: if yep. people want to come along or they want to book you to maybe come put on a seminar
1: in their area how do people get in touch with you well, the best way is probably uh, through facebook mm-hmm. messenger i also um i now have an up your groom facebook page i like that name it's kind of spiraled from there because i've got a seminar coming up called up your salon and i have done an up your prep so you know it actually has worked quite well but um yes so contacting me d- through that or directly sending me a message and I do for if, if I've got seminars and things already going then I normally share them.
0: I think by the time this comes out Premier Groom's probably going to have gone
1: farm, um, yes. are
0: you doing Groomfest as well yeah 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 so Groomfest will be out before Groomfest so that's
1: great so if people want to go along you're first on in the morning first on in the morning I've got and um a, a short up your prep and then last thing at the end of the day as well we haven't released that yet but we will okay. have by the time this goes out we're releasing it this week but we were doing louise and i are doing a nose to nose sort of a not a debate like a heads off sort of different yeah sort of different Fab. so um i've just
0: got some questions to ask you as our final round this is sort of more on the sort of um more on the industry and the way that we feel about it what would you say is the most rewarding thing about being a dog
1: groomer diversity see no day is exactly the same no matter how well we plan our diaries and how much we try and actually have the same dogs for instance if they have a preference for tuesdays in six Mm -hmm. weeks time that tuesday will be the same because they're all on a six week schedule and it will be the same dog so we know what's coming and that helps but the diversity of each individual day you know just like people dogs have different moods so they may come in and today they may need this they may need that it's that it's that diversity of enough of the day being not repetitive yes I really enjoy um, I think that's really good
0: yeah I think that's really a good answer and what advice would you give your younger self about our work
1: yeah that's a hard one really because if I had advice for my younger self, which meant that I did something different, would I be where I am today? Fair point. All right, all right. Um, I, think, I think in hindsight, in a way, I would like to have been here in the UK sooner. But I think my, my advice to my younger self is to, is to grab those opportunities. While you, when they show their face, grab them. Because the um, that way you aren't going to look back and go, I wish I'd done that. That's really nice advice. I like
0: that a lot. You can always say, "Oh, um, you know, that didn't work out," but that yeah. didn't work out, and I tried something else. is a hell of a lot better than, "I never tried. I wish I did." You yeah. know. Um, and if
1: it doesn't work out, it's 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 you don't have to. It, there is no shame in going. Actually, that doesn't work for me. I'm going to try something different. It it's almost a harder thing to do to admit that something isn't working. But to be honest, it's better to admit that something isn't working because it it means that you can then find what does
0: yeah and learn from it yeah yeah don't don't
1: stick in something that that clearly isn't working because you being unhappy affects people around you so even if you're going oh well you know I'll just put up with it maybe the people around you don't want to can
0: you give us an example of a time that you've learned from a mistake
1: every day is a learning day We should be learning all the time. Is it from mistakes? Not necessarily, but it's it's being able to spot when we need to learn from something. Sometimes we just go through the motion. I think not asking enough questions. uh, I have learnt because if you don't, I I can remember. In fact, I had somebody who came in and said, oh, can you make it look like a Yorkie? And when I took it out, she goes, oh, that's not what a Yorkie looks like. And I was like, well, I've clipped it. So. I, I did check that she wanted a clip, and, oh, yes, no, definitely, but I want a clip t- to look like a breed standard Yorkie. Well, they're not. <laughs> and I, I didn't ask. You know, stupid. I just did what I assumed she thought she'd seen other Yorkies clip like. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing like what she wanted. <laughs> so <laughs> I got it completely wrong, clearly. Um, so You can't guess what's in someone else's head. And I think, I think that I have learnt from from just I now ask it's like it's I, I mean sometimes I do feel a little sorry for new clients it's like an interrogation you know I'm surprised yeah. I don't have the floodlights out and sort of like and it, you know you get people God, I've never been asked so many questions <laughs> I do apologize yeah. um, and I explain and I, I try and find out what they don't like I try to avoid what they don't like rather than I can always tweak on what they do like but if I do something on a, on a trim that they really don't like, you know, if, if they really don't like a short muzzle, I'll make sure I don't do a short muzzle. I can mm-hmm. always take a little bit more off later, but it's those type of things. It's avoiding what they really don't like. They might go away and go, it's not quite what I wanted. they won't go away going I hate it
0: yeah like for example I asked a Cocker Spaniel person the other day how do you want your Cocker Spaniel trimmed do you want breed standard and they said oh no I don't want it to look like a show dog I don't want the top of the ears trimmed or the head short it looks awful and I thought well I'm glad I asked (laughs) 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 do you know what I mean because that's exactly what you would have got if I hadn't
1: yeah so it's, it's about asking questions what they do and don't like.
0: What do you think affects the mental health in our industry the most? Us,
1: ourselves. Yeah. We, we put the most pressure on ourselves. External pressure is there. Uh, things like what you see on social media, um, someone else's brilliant group, but they don't put it up there to put pressure on us. They're putting it out there for themselves because mm-hmm. they want to feel good. Um so we look at it and go, oh, mine don't look like that. That's us. It's, you know, it's, it's, so we need to try. And I mean, it's, it's, it, we do it everywhere. We do it all through life. But I think we need to try and almost embrace the fact that we are all different and we yeah. do things differently. So, you know, we, we blame clients for putting pressure on us. But again, if we have almost encouraged them to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we've encouraged them or allowed them to act in a certain way, then we've, met, we've put that pressure on ourselves because we've, we've sort of allowed it to happen.
0: Yeah I often get frustrated with myself when I get myself too tired because I think well are you bloody surprised look at the state of the diary for the last two weeks and the next two weeks might be fine they might even be a little bit quieter because that's my easier week of the month but I've still let myself go through three weeks of absolute hell to the lever to get these dogs out the way because they're restricted to six week timetables or four week timetables and I've like battled my way to try and fit, fit everyone it. in especially when things like holidays come up like we said earlier I've been away for a week and you think I've got to get all them dogs down before I go away yeah. and then the first three days of your holiday you're an absolute zombie because yeah. you're physically and mentally exhausted you've got two days of the holiday left and then you drive home and start again catching up oh. with the last part this is another reason why next year I'm hoping to go down by half a day or by a day because then when we do want to go away and see family or we do want to go and do something it's not like oh I've got to sacrifice that to do that it's just right I've got some books to catch up on which realistically no it's not going to affect anyone else that's just that's just me and I'll have to do it a bit longer
1: another day. You've got, you've got what we 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 talk we talk a lot about wiggle room it means that you've got somewhere to put dogs that um if you do have to suddenly change you know you've got doctor's appointment or anything like that you have got a day you can go okay well I'm going to just move the whole of this day to that day my appointment may only be an hour or two hours but if I move the whole lot from here to there I can do yeah. all the things I'm going to do that day on this day we try very hard to to I mean even though there's two of us yeah we try very hard to limit to seven dogs uh, in a full day and mm-hmm. that's sort of optimum but there are occasions when you have to do more and um i can remember getting through a, a nine dog day and we got to the end of the day and it, you know in the morning it was like okay deep breath brace yourself dive in right yeah. got to the end of the day we were both buzzing absolutely buzzing we were we were still full of energy still absolutely fine um wouldn't do that every day no because you had reserves tiring. you
0: got you've got you know you weren't exhausted Perfect. when you started but
1: yeah yeah, as like you say, about... if you're doing
0: that every day, then the exhaustion kicks yeah. in, and then it yeah. becomes a cycle, doesn't it? It's
1: really. It does, and you're always then second guessing. You're going, I don't know why I do this. I don't, you know, I don't know why I do this. I don't enjoy doing this. It's not, it's not pleasant. I'm forced into doing it. Then you need to have a look, and reevaluate. So, because
0: you've been grooming a while, what would you say is the best change that you've seen in our industry since you've been grooming?
1: Public understanding of what we do it is much more broadly understood in a way I mean there's still a long way to go, but I do think that you know we we have i find that we have a lot more people that are coming in going, "I don't know how you do what you do. I don't know how you do what you do um physically, and I, I you know the skill involved or they'll have seen something or read something social media's helped I think um mm-hmm. but seen something and gone. Never, ever had an idea it was like that or what you do is really quite involved, isn't it? So I think there is that for me. And that may also be because I came from South Africa where it wasn't really that understanding 20 odd years ago to being here now where we have we have got a a really quite good public that understand a lot more about general pet welfare and upkeep and so what do you think still needs to change I think we need perhaps for the public to know even more uh, moving on from from sort of the biggest change in the industry we can still go further transparency people knowing exactly what we do why we do it understanding and and regulation um, it's a it's I know it's a hot topic and I know it's not a popular topic but mm-hmm. regulation from the point of view that it allows people to know that there is a body ensuring that the dog's welfare is taken care of. Okay. It is not about how well you can style a dog. It's not about your skills as a groomer from that point of view, but the welfare when it comes to making sure that the dogs are safe, making sure that the dogs, their behavior is taken into account its place. I think
0: you are right from the safety aspect, especially because I've spoke to people in interviews before who have mentioned this, that the regulation that they'd like to see doesn't necessarily to qualifications. Of course, qualifications are great for helping their health and safety and all of that would be taught from the very beginning. But I think the thing is, is like in any business that you go to, you expect a certain procedure to be followed so for example if you go to a restaurant you don't expect the kitchen to be right next to where you're sitting you don't want to have fat spitting on you while you're eating a your dinner you know yes. there's hopefully going to be enough waitresses to cater the amount of food that is going out so that people aren't running around with hot plates and um you know slipping over things because they can't tidy them up yeah. in time you're expecting to, that places to be well enough staffed. you're expecting there to be a fire procedure they're expecting there to be Things that have been thought out well ahead of things um, that could potentially happen on how to deal with situations. situation. Every business has things that they need to make sure that it's an enjoyable experience for the customer. It's professional as possible and it's safe. You know? but we
1: hear so much, don't we? I mean, it's, it's not about qualifications from the point of view of how well you can groom the dog. It's not what you turn out. But you don't go in, coming back to your restaurant thing, I was thinking about it. How many times have you been into a restaurant anywhere and asked to see their hygiene You assume that they've been, that somebody has checked them. Yeah. You have to. You have to assume that somebody has checked them. So, and we do that blindly. We, as consumers, we do that blindly. So our clients coming in shouldn't really be expected. It shouldn't be how we tell whether we need regulation or not as to how many clients have come in and asked if we're qualified because exactly they, yeah that is a really
0: be. common thing for people to write actually on these debates about qualifications Or well, i've never been asked
1: no but then if you wouldn't tell so,
0: they probably are anyway they probably just assume it walking through the door because that's your job
1: i think it's the fear of regulation that causes such a such a response mm. because as you say the, the actual fundamentals of regulation mean that there is going to be a an underpinning way of doing things, a consistency that is going to help groomers. I, I can't see any, any reason for anyone to say it's not going to be useful to have a regulation, have some form of regulation. I think mm-hmm. it's the fear of being told what to do. It's fear and of the unknown. That's
0: just fear of change, isn't it, I suppose? Yes. Yeah.
1: And it, it is, you're right, it's, it's, we do need a bit more, it would make our lives easier and take away some of the stress as well, wouldn't it? If we, we know that we can do this and this is what's expected, then we can get on with doing that and not have to worry about making the choice.
0: That brings me to the end of all the questions that I had set out for you. Was there anything at all that you wanted to add before we say goodbye?
1: Uh, I just wanted to say, well, this has been brilliant fun. If you <laughs> enjoyed it? It's not as scary as you
0: thought it was going to be.
1: Not as scary as I thought. Oh, um, you know, I, couldn't, I didn't need to go and buy a new top. But... <laughs> oh, it
0: looks lovely. I think it looks lovely. So I'm glad um... you did. Well, it's been lovely having you. It's been absolutely fabulous having a chat. And I think we've covered loads of really important things as well. I think it's been a really interesting conversation.
1: Perfect. And I'll see you at Premier Groom?
0: Yep, I'll be at Premier Groom. Looking forward to it. Um, I will see you there. Perfect. And thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I really enjoyed talking with Sally. It was so nice to chat to her about these things that occur in salon life. This Sunday, the 17th of September, Sally, Louisa Tandy and Kitty will be doing seminars at Groomfest at Stony Kennel Club. All info on this can be found on the Groomfest Facebook page. I will also put Sally's details in the show notes. Next week, I'm talking to Ione Georgiakis from Tourette's Action. She will be telling us about what Tourette's is, how it can present, how it feels and much, much more to help us understand. But for now, though, have a lovely weekend Make sure you are following Wellbeing for Dog Groomers on Facebook and on your chosen podcast platform. Cheerio!